Rinkwide Vancouver. On the same day the Vancouver Canucks pushed their win streak to five, they sent five players to All-Star Weekend in Toronto. It's Rinkwide Vancouver. It's brought to you by Betway. We're coming your way after a 1-0 victory in Buffalo. Not even a snowstorm outside the rink there in Buffalo can slow this hockey club down right now. Sam Lafferty, the only goal, and the Canucks make it five straight as they push on to Columbus to wrap up their seven-game road trip on Monday against the Blue Jackets. Jeff Patterson joined once again by Irfan Gaffar. Hey, they can't all be masterpieces, Irf, but uh, that 10-1 win in San Jose back in November, you get two points for that, you get two points for a one nothing win in Buffalo in mid-January. You win pretty sometimes, and sometimes you win ugly, but at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, as you just mentioned, Jeff, a win is a win, and the Vancouver Canucks will take that two points and get the hell out of Buffalo. That's exactly <laughs> what they're looking to do right now after that you know, one nothing victory there. Uh, we chatted... First and third period, not really fun. Second period was okay. There's a little bit of spice in the game, which yeah. I did like. Um, and Thatcher Demko. You know, he, we talked about it last game. Uh, in my notes, I wrote Thatcher Demko, Thatcher Demko, Thatcher Demko. And again, he was a big, big reason why they won this hockey game. Fourth shutout on the year, Jeff, for the Canucks netminder. Yeah, 25 saves for him as the Sabres outshoot the Canucks 25-23. You're right. There wasn't a whole lot happening in the uh, early stages. Uh, an early start, third early game for the Vancouver Canucks this season. And if you go back to the one in Minnesota back in mid-December, that was a 2-1 shootout loss. Uh, it felt like an early game. And the Canucks had trouble sort of finding their form there. The next day in Chicago, they were outshot 10-0 in the early going. And ultimately, they win that hockey game against the Blackhawks. But yeah, I, I'm not sure that uh, the matinees bring out the best in the Vancouver Canucks and they get an early, early start, 10 o'clock Pacific time to wrap up the road trip on Monday. So we'll see what they have left in the tank as they roll into Columbus. But uh, it took them a while. Brock Besser thought he had opened the scoring second straight Saturday where he felt he had opened the scoring, but uh, goal overturned on a coach's review. The one in Jersey last Saturday, that was a bit of a coin toss, goaltender interference. This one ultimately was offside. JT Miller just couldn't quite get out of the way of a Elias Pettersson, and then Pettersson over to Besser, who thought he had scored, but he did score. But ultimately, that one was overruled. But moments later, it was Sam Lafferty on the doorstep. The rebound takes a shot from Jordan Greenway after he scored. Didn't seem to like that too much, but he did like the fact that he gets to double digits. So he's up to 10 goals, the eighth Vancouver Canuck player, highest scoring team in the NHL. Not a surprise that they've got eight guys in double digits now. Maybe the surprise there, though, Irf, is that uh, Andre Kuzmenko isn't one of them. At the outset of the season, knowing what we knew about Kuzmenko and his 39 goals a year ago, if you told me that in mid-January, the Canucks would be the first team to eight double-digit goal scorers and Kuzmenko wouldn't be one of them, uh, I'm not sure that I'm taking that bet. Yeah, just 10-15 of ice time for Kuzmenko in this one as well. Uh, it's Rick Tockett's MO. I know we saw Kuzmenko out in overtime the other night with Elias Pettersson, but this one was tight. And yeah. when it's tight, and, and Rick Tockett knows, he likes to shorten the bench quite a bit. So Andre Kuzmenko only with just over 10 minutes of ice time there. And and again, I, I agree with you. I would have said at least 15 to, to 20 will, would be the minimum for a guy like him with the way the puck that he was putting the puck in the net. But Brock Besser. 
Uh, he has punched his ticket to the All-Star game, and I, I mentioned that right off the top, that that is now official, that Besser's going, Pedersen's going, JT Miller's going to represent the Canucks for the first time since joining this hockey club, and not a surprise that Thatcher Demko, on a day that he gets the shutout, he's going to the All-Star game as well. We already knew that Quinn Hughes was there, so five Vancouver Canucks are going to uh, have their All-Star break interrupted, but what an honor for the hockey club to have that many guys going to Toronto uh, to put on a show. This one, as we said, wasn't a show necessarily, but some good work by Nils Hoeglander on the, the one goal that uh, did count in this hockey game. Uh, it's kind of funny because Hoeglander doesn't even get an assist on the play, gets back to Zadorov, his shot is stopped, and there's Lafferty to spin off a check just uh, two minutes and five seconds into that second period. And from there, uh, a whole bunch of grinding. But as you said, there was some spice in that second period. And, you know, credit to JT Miller. Like, you know, he can beat you in a lot of different ways. And he takes a run at uh, Rasmus Dahlin. You don't ever want to see anybody injured. And I was glad that Dahlin came back in this hockey game. But I wasn't the least bit surprised that the Sabres stick up for their best player and terrific defenseman, the highest goal-scoring defenseman in the National Hockey League. Lengthy, lengthy review. And I know Connor McDavid went off last week about uh, reviews. They do take too long. Like, I don't know how many looks you had to have at that play to make the determination that they ultimately did, that there was a penalty on the play. So Miller gets two and Owen Power stepping in for his teammate. And I'm sure JT Miller's sitting there in the penalty box thinking that, uh, you know, he may have to answer to more than just Owen Power kind of grabbing onto him. And sure enough, Eric Johnson, a veteran guy that's been uh, through the battles over the years, you know, he's not a scrapper, but he understands his role at this stage of his career and trying to be a good teammate and all that kind of stuff. But JT tuned him up uh, pretty good in a, you know, a scrap that, look, we haven't seen the Canucks do much of that. Uh, they were one of the, the most active teams in the league last year with the gloves off. They've been more, you know, busier this year scoring goals and winning hockey games. First fight since uh, before Christmas, a game in Chicago when Nikita Zadorov uh, stuck up for Elias Patterson when uh, he thought that uh, Petey had been run. So, uh, you know, almost a month since we had seen any Canuck uh, duke it out in a hockey game. But uh, JT Miller was active in this one. Physically, he's involved. His motor's always running, so I'm not surprised that he was in the middle of things. But, you know, on a night when Lotto Line wasn't going necessarily offensively, JT Miller's still involved uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I'm just trying to get Brock to 30. Don't worry, he will get there, Jeff. I, I do promise you that. But, I mean, you mentioned JT Miller. Look, five hits on the night. He's involved. He's involved a lot. Questionable, yeah, the lengthy delay of eventually, essentially, it was only uh, an, an elbowing call, but... He's a guy that, you know, plays with his heart on his sleeve. And I think he knew he had to answer the bell. I don't think the Owen power grabbing him after was enough. I think he knew at some point someone was going to come back. And obviously Eric Johnson did it. And, uh, you know, they fought and they, you know, took their time or whatever. But yeah, and it's funny when you mention spice between two teams, because these two teams only see each other twice a year. And, you know, with the Canucks and the Penguins as well, it did get a little bit chippy there, too. So it's always interesting when a Western team goes out east or vice versa that there's always a little bit more. They went about their business and they locked it down when they had to. Sam Lafferty also becoming a great story for, for this Vancouver Canucks team as well. Plus one, two shots on net and a, and, and a hit in the game and obviously the goal. He didn't like the, the eating no. of the elbow or whatever <laughs> it was that he took after, but... I think the Canucks are happy with getting out of this one, not into overtime, and they can just, you know, head out to Columbus and, and try and finish this road trip off strong. 
It is the second time this season that the Vancouver Canucks have strung five straight wins together for all their victories. They haven't had a, an eight or a nine or a 10-game win streak like we're seeing some other teams around the National Hockey League. But any time that a win streak has been interrupted, uh, they've been so good at bouncing back. Well, they haven't had to bounce back. I'm sure Rick Tockett would like to see a little bit more from his hockey club at the tail end of the trip in Columbus. But uh, you know, he's talked about having to be comfortable in these tight games. And this one was tight into the third period. Buffalo had... Three power plays on the afternoon, including uh, the only power play opportunity of the the third period when Nils Hoaglander chopped the stick out of Rasmus Dahlin's hands in the neutral zone. Sort of a a needless play on the part of Hoaglander in a tight game, but uh, the Canucks penalty killer is coming through. And as we said the other night in Pittsburgh, your your goaltender has to be your best penalty killer as well. And Thatcher Demko, a couple of stops off Casey Middlestat uh, on the power play, one in the second period, one in the third period. And Middlestat's uh, the most dangerous Buffalo Sabre. He is their leading scorer on the season. And obviously nobody added to their point uh, totals there. Jeff Skinner is their leading goal scorer. He's not in the lineup. There was some question about whether Tage Thompson was going to play. Was shaken up the other night, missed practice, but he did play. Man, can he lean into wrist shots. And he had a couple of pretty decent looks, but Thatcher Demko was there to, to make the stops. Alex Tuck won off the crossbar there early in the third period, off the faceoff, essentially, to, to open the third period. Cousins off the crossbar on the power play as well. So Demko getting a little bit of help. But uh, you know how that works with goalies. When guys hit the post, they're saying like, hey, I had the net covered. That's all they had to shoot at. That's all they were going to hit. And uh, maybe that was the case as uh, Thatcher Demko stares down all 25 shots that he faced from this Buffalo Hockey Club. You know, look, or if we have said, like as good as Lotto Line has been, there were going to be some nights. Whether it was the opponent shutting them down, whether it was just an off night for those guys these kinds of games were going to present themselves. And when they did, that's where the Canucks were going to need a little bit of depth scoring. And that's what they got. They got one goal and it stands up as the only goal and the winning goal, certainly for Sam Lafferty. Again, it's not that the lotto line guys weren't trying hard or weren't playing well, but you know, I think the hotter they get, the more attention, obviously, they're going to get from the other side. It's been a long road trip to this point. And as we talked about, for whatever reason, these early starts just don't seem to be what the Vancouver Canucks seem to like to, to bring out the best in them. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't happen often. It's the lowest scoring game of the season. The Canucks have been involved in three other games that had two goals. They beat Minnesota 2-0. They lost 2-0 in Philadelphia. And they lost 2-1 in a shootout in Minnesota where only two goals were scored before the skills competition, but uh, only one goal in this hockey game. And for the Vancouver Canucks, they get it. They're 13-2-2 now in their last 17 hockey games and 29 wins on the season. 29-11-3. They're up to 61 points now uh, as they you know work their way into the second half of this uh, NHL schedule. You feel like 2 nothings. I know that everyone says it, that they're the worst lead in hockey, but defending a one nothing lead essentially for a quite a long time is and winning that hockey game is also a difficult thing to do for if you are an NHL team. And the Vancouver Canucks did that. You know, they, they locked it down when they had to on the heels of their goaltender. And we've been giving them as flowers, obviously, and, you know, now he's an all-star. But I think that, you know, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you have to be happy with this performance and just be able to get out of there. It's a one nothing game. It's a grind you type of hockey game, you know, you know, there was, there was a little bit of uh, chip to it as well. But these are the types of games that you're going to have to play down the stretch. We, we mention all the time the big dogs, the big teams that they're going to have to play. 
they're going to be low scoring games. You know, they're not going to get into a lot of, you know, running matches or, or, or skating matches with with the likes of a Winnipeg or, 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 the, or the Los Angeles Kings. It's not going to be a shootout every single time. So if you can show yourself that you're able to win these one nothing hockey games, especially on the road, I don't want to say it was a hostile moment because it wasn't that full, that building because of the weather, <laughs> obviously, but yeah. um, they were able to do it. And, and, and I think now basically for them, your message for Rick Tockett is two points onto Columbus. Let's try and finish this one strong. They came close to extending their lead. Ilya Mikheyev, four on four. You know, we've wondered a little bit about where those bursts of speed are. I mean, this is a guy that made a name for himself in the National Hockey League with his straight line quickness and coming off the knee injury. Obviously, it's understandable that we didn't see a lot of that, certainly last year when he wasn't 100% and earlier this season, but a little bit of open ice there and he pounced on that puck and away he went. And unfortunately for him, he beats the goaltender but couldn't beat the goalpost. So we talked about a few of the posts that the Sabres hit. It cuts both ways, but a close call there for, for Ilya Mikheyev. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that, you know, f- for him, maybe it took him a little bit of time to get back into, not I don't want to say game shape because he has been playing, but I think just a just feel of the game and, and, and maybe just being a little bit more comfortable out there. Um, you know, his agent said, we haven't seen the best Ilya Mikheyev yet this season and the best is yet to come. We haven't really seen the Ilya Mikheyev that we've seen play for the Toronto Maple Leafs yet here in a Vancouver Canucks uniform, but a knee injury is tough to come back from. And, and I really do think, you know, you get into the mind of a player with the way that he skates and how fast he is on the forecheck and, and things like that and the crash and banging and stuff that made him successful and gave him the big contract. We really haven't been able to see that. And you hope it does come sooner than later. But obviously him being able to almost get that scoring chance there, I would have probably, you know, took the monkey off the back for him um, and and his line. Also, uh, Kuzmenko had that nifty move, that little dirty yeah. dangle between the legs, kind of took it to the net and the puck jumped up. So almost there, a couple of Russians almost kind of getting on the score sheet. But I still wonder, I don't know Mikheyev's will come, but when will Kuzmenko's come? Yeah, it's uh, been a while. He scored a couple against San Jose just before Christmas. Those are the last points that he had. And, you know, another game goes by, and I keep bringing up this point. He hasn't had an assist since uh, Bo Horvat's return to Vancouver on November 15th for Andre Kuzmenko. So, yeah, I mean, they get by. They didn't need uh, points from that line. But, uh, boy, the whole road trip, it's been remarkably quiet for those guys. Uh, but ultimately, they got a goal, and the, that's all they needed in this one. one nothing. they defeat the Buffalo Sabres. You know, we, we talked about the fact there was a little bit of spice and expansion cousins. That's always going to be a storyline when the Canucks and the Sabres hook up. They will play again uh, in Vancouver, part of that nine-game homestand for the Canucks in March. And by then, who knows where the Sabres will be and who knows where the Canucks will be. But you're right, you just never know uh, when these games are sort of going to take on a tone. I guess it wasn't a surprise that you know, if JT Miller takes a pretty good run at Rasmus Dahlin, that the Sabres were going to put Quinn Hughes in their uh, crosshairs. And so uh, he had to dodge a couple of hits. And then uh, Jordan Greenway leans on him. There was that scrum at the side of the net where Philip Peronic bounced Zach Benson, the, the rookie from Chilliwack, and the Sabres uh, taking exception to that. So, look, that comes with the territory too, right? Like Quinn, you talked about the fact that the time and space and teams around the league know how valuable he is and what he means to the Canucks, you know, he's going to have to expect a little bit of that treatment uh, as they work their way down the stretch and ultimately into the playoffs. Well, that's the thing. When you're one of the league's best players, if not one of the league's best defensemen right now, you know, you're getting all this talk, you're named captain, you're doing things at an elite level, you're putting up historic numbers, um, not only for your franchise, but also in the National Hockey League, you're going to get some attention from some guys. And especially (laughs) if your guy hits their best guy, their guys are going to come after your best guy. And that's kind of the way it goes. This is only going to happen more. 
to be completely yeah. honest. I think teams yeah. are going to zone in on Elias Pettersson, on Quinn Hughes, on guys like Brock Besser. I mean, JT Miller's a guy that can hold his own, and obviously, you know, no one's really going to take a run at that guy. But those other three guys, uh, I think that teams are are, are, are going to zone in on them. I mean, you know, you talk to some players on Vegas Golden Knights in Calgary. When they beat the Canucks, they said that they don't like playing physical games. You know, they don't like being leaned on. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here down the stretch when you look at it and say, is that the type of game plan a lot of these teams are going to take against these guys? It's to try and get them off their game by being way more physical than the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, if you get yourself into penalty trouble, that's on your own fault. But I think physicality is going to be huge here in the next couple of months. Yeah, and for a game that certainly had some feeling and some edge, you know, the Canucks had two power plays. The Sabres had three. We talked about the Canucks penalty kill. It was terrific in Pittsburgh. It was uh, perfect in this game. So it is rounding into form without a doubt. Power play, this is another game, and we've talked about this throughout the season, where it was sort of begging for the power play that made it look so easy on its first attempt the other night in Pittsburgh. Uh, Power play just didn't have it in this game. It generated four shots on goal. But uh, again, it felt like a a bit of a struggle. But my sort of overarching point with the fact that there were only two power plays... So it wasn't like Quinn Hughes was out there a ton with the man advantage. This is another night, like earlier in the road trip, you look at the ice time for the Canucks defenseman, six games into a seven-game marathon road trip, you know, a lot of travel, guys probably feeling a little bit worn down. You can't ask for a better division of ice time than the Canucks had in this one. Quinn Hughes plays 21 minutes and 23 seconds. Tyler Myers just a shade under 21 minutes. Philip Aronik at 20-31. And then the other guys, whether it's a Carson Soucy at 17-50, Zadorov at 17-54, they just continue to break up the ice time here so that nobody's getting leaned on. Ian Cole is at 18-15. So all six of your guys, essentially, between 18 and 20 minutes, you know, even though you had to go with your best guys down the stretch, it wasn't like they rested players in a one nothing lead, but that should serve them well again. And, you know, we've seen some load management. I, I'm curious to see. Rick Tocchin yeah. doesn't have to make these decisions about Monday uh, yet, but I am curious to see if they go back to load management at the, you know, the seventh game of a seven-game road trip. I saw Ian Cole block a shot in the third period, and you could tell that that stung him, but he he stuck it out, and he's been hit by lots of shots over his career. But uh, yeah. it, it, to me, it's going to be interesting to see what does the lineup look like? Does Linus Carlson work his way back in just to get some fresh legs at the tail end of a trip? We talked about early starts. They don't come any earlier than this, really, in the National Hockey League for the Canucks. It's 1 o'clock in Columbus, but uh, 10 o'clock Pacific time, whatever spark you can use. You know, on paper, a matchup between the Canucks and the Blue Jackets should be pretty one-sided, but we could have said the same thing about uh, this one in Buffalo, and obviously, uh, you always hear the players say, there are no easy games in the National Hockey League. This certainly was not an easy win for the Vancouver Canucks. Defense by committee, and I think that, you know, Rick Tockett is showing that in spreading out the ice time, you know? It's uh, it's pretty wild to see because you look at some of the like some of the games where those you know bottom two pairing defense and they're still putting up some pretty good numbers and you're you're getting guys to be able to take a little bit more time off but you know it, you you don't have to lean on your top four all the time or your top two and you mentioned the not very many power plays and Quinn Hughes isn't on the ice that much um, I agree with your point though I think some I think we're gonna see someone that has some load management here on Monday. I'm not sure who, but I think it's going to be one of the defense when you see Noel Juleson back into the lineup at some point here. I really like what Rick Tockett's been able to do with this defense because I think the defense have taken so much criticism. You know, you're getting guys that are not having to play 22, 25, 27 minutes a night. Now there will be those games where we're going to see Quinn Hughes log half an hour of ice time. But 
on nights that you can't, it's going to help you down the long run for sure. Yeah, and I just go back to, and not that he played poorly, but Niels Hoaglander taking a, a penalty in a one nothing game in the third period. Like, if Tockett's looking for the door to be open to get Linus Carlson back in there, uh, you know, and I like Hoaglander in the way that he plays, but I do wonder if they're going to find a way, anyway, to insert Linus Carlson. We won't go too deep on a 13th forward for a team that's won five in a row and seems unstoppable right now, but the coaches have pushed just about every right button with this hockey club. I won't be the least bit surprised if they do shake up a winning lineup when they roll into CBJ for Monday's early start. Lots still ahead here. We'll get to uh, our three-star selection. Uh, we'll get to our staff that stands out, some listener feedback, a few more thoughts of uh, what's to come for the Canucks at the tail end of this road trip. But time right now for our Betway bet of the day. And it's just a two-game Sunday in the National Hockey League. And one of the games is a rematch of a game that was played earlier on Saturday. And for, in fact, the first game of the day on Saturday, and that was Washington going into Madison Square and doing what the Canucks did. Uh, Actually, Washington was at home against the Rangers, so they go to Madison Square on Sunday. But the Capitals were 3-2 winners over the Rangers on Saturday. Can they make it back-to-back? I'm going to say no. I think the Rangers will rise up on home ice. Uh, They won't be happy, obviously, coming off the loss here and the fact that they lost to the Canucks earlier in the week. So uh, you can get the Rangers at 144 on the money line. That's our Betway bet of the day. Must be 19-plus to play. Please play responsibly. The Vancouver Canucks eke out a 1-0 victory over the Buffalo Sabres at Key Bank Arena on Saturday, and they pack up and... Head for the final stop on this road trip in Columbus on Monday. You're listening to Rinkwide Vancouver. It's brought to you by Betway. Canucks with their one other win in Buffalo. Five in a row, second time this season. We'll see if they can extend that to a season I-6 when they take on the Blue Jackets on Monday. All right, uh, let's hear from a couple of the principals in this hockey game, uh, Sam Lafferty and Thatcher Demko, Demko with the shutout. But we'll start with Lafferty. Uh, again, we've talked to her about the fact that this is a bit of a sluggish start for the Vancouver Canucks for whatever reason. It took them a while. Uh, there was a shift with about five minutes to go in the first, I thought, with a lot of line. Uh, kind of applied some pressure, and they were able to work a line change in and follow that up as a team. And... First 15 minutes, there wasn't a whole lot, but I kind of felt like that settled the Canucks down, got them into the hockey game. Obviously, they get out of the first period, it's scoreless, but then we talked about Besser. Uh, He thought he had scored 39 seconds in. That one gets overruled, and a minute and a half later, it's the Lafferty goal. So uh, Canucks did a nice job of picking up to start the second period where they left off in the first. Sam Lafferty was asked after the game about the message uh, from the coaching staff and what was talked about after the opening 20 minutes. We, we kind of got some momentum there at the end of the first, and we just wanted to keep that going uh, into the second. And um, Yeah, just kind of sounds cliche, but just stick to the basics and get back to our game plan. And there, he you know, he talks about that momentum. And again, the Canucks have been so good at jumping on opponents and opening the scoring. And obviously, this is another game where they do open the scoring. It just it had to wait until the second period. So I've tried to make this distinction. As much as they have opened the scoring, and that's been part of their magic this year, it's not always about getting a great start. And I don't think anybody on the Canucks would think that this was a terrific start, but once they get out in front, we know how difficult they are uh, for opponents. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, look, there's the age old saying, Jeff, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Mm-hmm. And I think the Canucks have afforded themselves enough good starts this season to be able to have a okay-ish start. I mean, they'll definitely say they probably, a lot of them, 
probably weren't ready for this game. It's gross in Buffalo when it comes to the weather. You know, you're playing the Buffalo Sabres. You've just come off the New York trip where you swept, and then you went to Pittsburgh and got that emotional victory, obviously, in overtime. This one might have been a little bit difficult to get up for, for them. I'm not going to lie. And it did look like it for sure. But when it's all said and done, you know, they were able to grind one out, and that's what good hockey teams do. Thatcher Demko of his 25 saves, uh, probably none better than the glove save off uh, Casey Middlestad. And I thought you can tell when Demko's locked in, like he makes the glove save and then he kind of holds the puck out there for a, a split second as well. Just lets Middlestad and everybody in the building know that he's got it. But Middlestad, the uh, backdoor puck works his way to him on the power play there. Uh, that was a great A look. And Thatcher Demko up to the challenge as he was uh, all afternoon long. And he was asked about that particular save off Middlestad late in the second period in a one nothing game. We uh, we don't give those up too often. So, um, you know, it was late in the period. You want to try and get it to the house uh, up one. You know, they may maybe score there, get some momentum. So um, two really big kills at the end of the second, I think, set us up well for the third. I always like his recall. Like, uh, you know, he knows, he remembers, and obviously that was a, a big save in the hockey game for him and a spectacular save at that. But, you know, I talked about the penalty kill there and the fact that uh, they just wanted to get out of that period with the lead. And certainly they were able to do that because of the spectacular save that he made on Middlestad. Isn't it funny, Jeff, when you when you ask goalies specifically, I mean, you've covered enough of them in your career, they know exactly what moment and oh, yeah. what save in what game, either the, either the one they're going to want back or the one that they knew was good or the one that they knew was kind of good and it could have been better. I mean, these goalies obviously different breed them, but I mean, Thatcher Demko, he's cool, calm and, and collected. Four shutout on the year, just the seventh in his career playing really well. And I think that, you know, these one nothing games are, are, are where you see the depth of their goaltending. And we'll always see Demko's their starter, but in the close games, you know, they, they've come out uh, on top more often than not. What do we think? That uh, his reward for the shutout will be uh, a morning off or afternoon off in Columbus? It kind of feels like uh, they'll go with the Smith at the, at the end of the road trip here. Maybe Demko wants to play and, you know, say, let's try and finish this one off. But if I were Rick Tockett and, you know, Ian Clark, I, I think they're having the conversation. We'll say, okay, let's give DeSmith this one. Give him an extra day plus the flight and all of that. It's all about plans. Like, as much as Demko might want to be in there, uh, I'm sure they looked at this road trip and the way that they wanted to break their goaltending down. And I just think if you can help the workload for Thatcher Demko in the long run, uh, it's, and now that he's going to the All-Star weekend as well, this one feels like it's earmarked for Smith on Monday. And there won't be a morning skate, so we'll probably be, you know, just up until game time before we know for sure. But uh, I would highly anticipate that uh, Casey DeSmith gets the call against the Blue Jackets. All right, let's get to the rink-wide Vancouver. Three stars of this hockey game. The stars are selected uh, by the Buffalo media. Demko's number one, Lafferty number two, and Uko Pekka Lukanen, who was uh, good as well. I mean, the guy gives him one goal. Uh, just doesn't get any run support for the Sabres. Uh, but uh, he was the third star in the hockey game. It's a Vancouver post-game podcast here, so we can go clean sweep for the Canucks, the way that they're playing. I'll go Demko 1 and Lafferty 2, no issues there. I am going to give JT Miller a little bit of love. Again, I just think uh, he was involved physically on a night when the lotto line wasn't going necessarily. Uh, 18 face-off wins, more than half the wins for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the Canucks were good in the faceoff circle, 32 and 21 on the night, but Miller goes 18 and 8, five hits, uh, answers the bell after the hit on Rasmus Dahlin. So I kind of like that side of JT Miller. It was his first scrap of the season. You know, he doesn't have to do that very often, but you know that it's in his back pocket as part of when he's on. And look, if trouble comes to find him, he's not going to shy away, certainly. So I'm going Demko Lafferty and JT Miller, the clean sweep for the Vancouver Canucks uh, here on the rink wide Vancouver three star selection.
Yeah, Jeff, I got no problem with that. I think that, you know, it, it was a grind out victory for the Vancouver Canucks and led by none other than, you know, a guy like JT Miller, right? He's a guy that was all over the ice, you know, laying hits and, and doing all that. And Thatcher Demko, you know, saving the day as couple of times as he did, as he had to in this hockey game. But, you know, Sam Lafferty, you, when you think about players that have, you know, grinded their way through their NHL careers and different teams and, and different stops, I think he's starting to find a home here. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens down the road with him. Hey, we talked about the review, but we didn't really talk about the hit itself. What, like, what did you make of the, the Miller hit on Darlene? I mean, he kept his elbow close to his chest. I think that that was probably the biggest thing. That's probably what they were looking at. And maybe Darlene's head was down a little bit as he was trying to get there. So that's probably why they took them so long to review it. I don't think he wanted to take his head off. Obviously, he wanted to lay a big hit. And it and it obviously, Darlene was a little bit slow to get up. I think that's why they reviewed it. Had he popped up right away, I don't think that they would have looked at it at all. They end up giving Miller an elbowing penalty. And I thought, like, of all the things that they could have called him for, I thought he did a good job of keeping his elbow down and locked to his side. So there was some head contact. I'm with you. I mean, it, to me, he wasn't targeting Darlene in any way, trying to finish a check there. He does make some head contact. So I wasn't surprised that there was a penalty. But I, 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 I didn't like the length of the review. But I do like the fact that JT Miller stays in the hockey game at the very least. Like, I, I don't... That, to me, wasn't the kind of hit that you're tossing a guy. It wasn't a blind side. Uh, I didn't think that uh, there was certainly any targeting there, uh, but there was some incidental head contact, and you don't want to see that, certainly on a star player like Darlene, and that's why I said I'm glad that he was back in the hockey game. JT takes the two-minute penalty, Owen Power gets two for the response there, and it was a push, so away you go. The Vancouver Canucks end up winning a low-scoring affair in Buffalo. one thing, the final score. we still got our staff that stands out. We'll get uh, some listener feedback from our social channels and a thought or two on what's to come to wrap up the road trip on Monday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. You're listening to Rinkwide Vancouver. Sam Lafferty, the only goal is 10th of the season. The Canucks one nothing winners in Buffalo as we carry on here in Quad Vancouver. Jeff and Earth with you. Uh, we'll get to the staff that stands out in a moment. Uh, again, as you look at the shots on goal in this game, the Sabres uh, had an early edge. It took the while. The Canucks a little while to get going uh, on the afternoon, 25-23 in favor of Buffalo. So the Canucks outshot, but uh, they do score the only goal. Uh, an even strength goal, so nothing doing on special teams. Canucks go 0 for 2. The Sabres were 0 for 3. All right, the stat that stands out for me is, and we touched on it a little bit, that Lotto Line didn't have things going here. This is the first Canuck win of the season without a point from any members of the Lotto Line or Quinn Hughes. So they have played some games where they've had wins without goals from those guys, but in terms of no point production whatsoever, it took until this one, January the 13th, for the Vancouver Canucks to get a victory without any members of the Lotto Line or Quinn Hughes factoring in the scoring. Just two Canucks on the score sheet, in fact, Lafferty from Zadorov. That is the scoring play, so that stands out. Uh, it tells you that uh, the big guns have... I mean, we know what they've done on this road trip. We know what they mean to this hockey club. They usually uh, leave their mark on the score sheet as well whenever the Canucks are victorious, but uh, you can see that certainly as a positive that... You know, on those rare nights when it doesn't happen for those guys, uh, they are still able to grind out victories. So there you go. We come up with a staff that stands out uh, after every Canuck game, and I think that one certainly does. You don't want it to happen too often. 
but uh, nice to know that uh, they can have that in their back pocket or if that uh, they can get it done on those nights when uh, the big boys aren't able to factor in the scoring. No, absolutely. And I think that that just shows that you have the balance within your team. You've got the different guys that can put the puck in the net and you've got to be able to grind out wins. Like they've won pretty this season. They really have. They've had some games that have looked really, really good. Um, obviously that Islander game when Quinn Hughes picking the top corner and in overtime in Vancouver, like I thought that was a pretty win. I mean, they were down and came back and won, but these games, you got to win ugly. And sometimes your superstar, your pretty shiny toys, it's it's down to the ugly guys that, that have to get it for you. <laughs> and for the Vancouver Canucks, they got a few of those. I mean, you know, the the Bluegers of the world, the Joshua's of the world, the Garlands of the world have been helping this Vancouver Canucks team win hockey games of late. Now you have Sam Lafferty contributing as well. So obviously, definitely another one of those things, another feather in the cap for Rick Tockett. And the way that they've built this team is he's getting different guys to contribute and different people to help him win hockey games night in and night out. Well, you can tell that the fan base is buying in, uh, and we've been saying this for a little while now, that uh, there is an energy, there's a buzz around this team when they come off the road trip. Boy, if they can make it six in a row and come home on a six-game win streak for a, a five-game homestand that's going to take them into the All-Star break, Rogers Arena should be on fire, you would think, but they got to take them as they come, and they've got one more game to, to go before they get back home. But we're starting to see more and more feedback after every game we ask you on our social channels, what stands out to you? And as we go to the inbox at Rinkwide Van, Andy says Demko shutout. Yeah, his fourth of the season. And this is a guy that earlier in his career had trouble, you know, closing out these games. Ultimately, it's about uh, did you win? And, and man, is he winning a lot, uh, as are the, the Vancouver Canucks. But uh, now he's doing it in style uh, by keeping the other team off the scoreboard. And he did that here against Buffalo. Perry says it was boring, but the best teams find a way to win on cold nights in Buffalo and certainly uh, stormy outside. Yeah, I wouldn't call it stormy on the inside, but uh, as we said, a one nothing win the same as a 10-1 victory. Uh, you take your two points and you move on. David says Thatcher Demko and the penalty kill, the ability to win yet another different type of game. And I do think for the Vancouver Canucks, you know, we wondered, coming off the win at Madison Square, big stage, big opponent, and to have to go to the island the next night, and they won that one, you know, they were able to reset, regroup. They weren't resting on their laurels of a win over the Rangers. You could tell, and we talked about it post-game, Earth, the, the win against the Penguins, the fist pump by Elias Pettersson, like, it meant a lot in a game that was back and forth, and they let the lead get away. You know, different opponent entirely, different start time, all those things. And again, they, they weren't at their best. We've seen them better. But, uh, you know, chalk it up to finding ways to win in different styles, different manners. And so uh, I'm sure Rick Tockett certainly sees the value in that. Lawai says, it's starting to become very apparent that this team can win in many ways. And that is a great sign. And Justin says, they've got a calm, confident swagger to them that I haven't seen in a while. And it's funny because I'm seeing that more and more in social spaces as well is, People are starting to compare this team to the team that got to Game 7 of a Stanley Cup Final in 2011. This team hasn't done anything. And I, I, yeah. I'm, I, you know, I, I want to make that abundantly clear. They've won a lot of regular season games here so far. You don't get to 29-11-3 without uh, you know, doing a lot of good things. But come playoff time... You know, this isn't a team that uh, has a track record. Uh, for a lot of these guys, their only playoff experience was the bubble, and it was the most unique postseason experience ever, summertime hockey with nobody in the building and no travel and all that kind of stuff. So I think even the players would admit, and you've heard Rick Tockett say, like, you know, we're not getting ahead of ourselves here. 
but it does feel like there is a, a swagger building with this group. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, do you think, okay, look, I, I think there's a lot of people that take a lot of stock in playoff success and you have to have someone that's one on your roster. You've got to have that experience in the room. You've got to have this, that, and the other. I think when you look at this team and the way that they've been able to win hockey games, I think that going into the playoffs with relatively maybe no experience to that much. I mean, obviously Ian Cole's there, but I think the important people that have the experience are the ones that are behind the bench, are the ones that are there that are teaching the players. I mean, yeah, you guys are going out and playing these games and doing X, Y, and Z, but it's the one behind the bench. I mean, Rick Tockett behind the bench, he doesn't really get animated that much. When he's mad, you can tell, but he doesn't blow a gasket. When he's happy with things, he stays very even keel as well. And I think it's the same for the other guys on that bench. I think it's the coaching that obviously has a, has a lot to do with this success of this team. But if I'm them, yeah, puff your chefs out a little bit. Walk around the league at the All-Star game like you own the place. Because you have been playing that well. No other team is going to come close to five All-Stars. And you're entirely, basically, half your team is going. So uh, I think if you're the Vancouver Canucks and you're the fan base, you 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 can get excited about it. Temper expectations, obviously, because as you mentioned, this team has done nothing. But I would be a team that's scared to play the Vancouver Canucks just because you don't know what you're going to get out of them. Well, I just think you know, on the experience side of things, you're right. A guy like Ian Cole has been there and has got the championships. Uh, they've got other guys that have played a long time in this league. But for this group and that experience in the bubble, like, you know, Brock Besser has done a lot, seen a lot in the NHL. He hasn't played a playoff game at Rogers Arena, and he must be counting down the days until that opportunity presents itself. And, you know, after the dark decade that has been for the Vancouver Canucks, you know, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes in their first look at postseason hockey, like, they performed well. I think uh, the way that both of them are playing this year, you know, the fan base should be really excited to see them get that opportunity. But... Part of playoff hockey is rising above hostile environments. And there was nobody in the stands in Edmonton. Like it just it, yes, it goes into the book says playoff hockey, but you know, they really haven't experienced the Stanley Cup playoffs, the hunt for the Stanley Cup. And so it is going to be new to them. And I'm not saying that they uh, won't be able to have success, but what they have experienced, their only baseline for Stanley Cup playoffs really is, you know, chuck it out the window because uh, nobody had ever seen anything like that uh, during the pandemic. So they're going to be a playoff team. There's no doubt about that. It's just a question of, you know, where are they going to finish now uh, as they continue to push forward here? They get a win on Saturday afternoon, and now uh, a lot of those teams that are trying to reel them in, you know, they're going to have to go and do their thing. And as we record this, like Vegas is in action later on, but not Jack Eichel out of their lineup. So, yeah. you know, that's certainly a storyline to monitor. Uh, he's one of the few game breakers that the Golden Knights have on their roster. Obviously a terrific team, but they're a different look uh, without Jack Eichel. So, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. And the Canucks' next opponent is in action as well. Columbus at home to the Seattle Kraken on Saturday night. And as the Canucks get ready for the final game of this trip, and we've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the early start on Monday... In some ways, maybe this Buffalo outfit is good preparation for Columbus because the Blue Jackets are struggling again. Uh, where have you heard that before? But, you know, they don't score much. They've got the lowest scoring top scorer in the National Hockey League, Johnny Gaudreau and Zach Wierenski. They share the team lead with 25 points. Like that gives, I mean, the Canucks have like 15 guys, I think, with, <laughs> with that many points. Like, you know, it is a, a mismatch on paper, but... Again, if you're the Canucks, like you can't get caught up in the struggles of your opponent. You just want to go out there on Monday, one last time on this trip, put your best foot forward, you know, 
a little more clinical maybe in the finishing department than you were against the Sabres, but uh, you know that you're going to get the best that the Blue Jackets have to offer because uh, they don't want to be embarrassed on home ice, and the Canucks certainly have the capability of doing that to teams. So, yeah, I mean, and the other thing too, Jackets, you know, Patrick Laine's injured, Morensky's injured, Boone Jenner, like they've got a bunch of guys, but looking forward to seeing Adam Fantilli fine rookie who's having a decent season and uh, Kent Johnson, a Vancouver boy, doesn't get an opportunity very often to play against the Canucks in the National Hockey League. And I know it's been a bit of a struggle for him uh, this season as well, but we'll see what the Canucks can do to wrap up this road trip in style on Monday, looking for their sixth straight victory. No, absolutely. And I think that if you're the Vancouver Canucks, that's your message. You know, it's going to be very, very hard to not have, you know, one foot on the plane because they're probably coming home right after that game for for a lot of the plays. This mammoth of the road trip is now coming into an end and you've played some really good hockey on this trip and beat some really good hockey teams. But job's not done. And I think that's one of the mindsets and, and, and things that this coaching staff has implemented into this team that, you know, until it's done, until you get on the plane, we still have 60 minutes of hockey to play. It's cliche. It's whatever you want to say it is. But I think that that's kind of the mindset and the mantra of a lot of the guys that are, in that room right now is, you know, you play every game until it's done. And this Columbus team from the very beginning of this season has been an absolute mess, Jeff. So, I mean, we'll see how many times the cannon goes off at uh, the old arena in Columbus for, for the home team. But, you know, if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you just go and try and finish your business and, and, and get on home. And then, you know, obviously you come home and then you have some rest, but they play the way that they do. And then you got the Leafs in town on Saturday. So it should be fun. Yeah, and just as we conclude here, uh, it has now been confirmed by our uh, colleague David Quadrelli at Canucks Army that uh, the Canucks are going to overnight in Buffalo. They were planning to, with the early start, get out of Buffalo, but uh, sounds like most of the flights out of the Buffalo area have been canceled because of the snowstorm. Now, if the Canucks were playing back-to-back, obviously this would be a bigger deal, but uh, they do have all of Sunday to travel, and if they can get off the ground, it's an easy, short flight to Columbus, so it shouldn't impact their preparation, but it is a story to monitor here if they do have some trouble getting out of the Buffalo area with the storm that forced the movement of the football game. The Bills and the Steelers were scheduled for Sunday. They're pushing that now to Monday, so look at that. Their uh, prize for a win on Saturday is an extra night in Buffalo, Uh, We'll see if they can make their way to Columbus uh, as things stand now at the conclusion of this recording, though. uh, Monday's game is still a go as scheduled 10 o'clock Pacific time. And if they play, uh, we make the guarantee that we will be there afterwards for another edition of Rink-Wide Vancouver. 1-0, the Canucks defeat the Buffalo Sabres on Saturday afternoon. Sam Lafferty, the only goal for Irfan Gaffar. This is Jeff Patterson. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Here we've got it uh, on Rink-Wide Vancouver, a presentation of Betway.